everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. And we are going to be doing Read the Reviews! This one is called Such a Wonderful Listening Experience and Wealth of Resources. Thank you, Robin, for this podcast. I'm very much enjoying the vast resources and wonderfully informative interviews. It's been amazing to hear other families' journeys of how they moved into a different way of learning and loving learning. I am new to homeschooling slash unschooling, and I'm inspired by the voices you've given space for here. Wow, thank you so much. And by leaving a review, you just help out the podcast. Now, Mom, you've been talking about Clubhouse recently, haven't you? Yes, I have. I've been having fun on this new app, this new social platform called Clubhouse. Um, as of now, us recording this, I've only been on for a few weeks, and I've just been slowly diving in, listening and learning and asking questions and sharing a little bit of my story. But what I see and what I want is I want there to be more homeschoolers and unschoolers on the platform. So if you hear this and you're interested in joining Clubhouse, uh, let me know. I know it's invite only at the moment. Direct message me if you're looking for an invite because I'm giving out invites to listeners. Uh, if you are already on the app, come and find me. And I just really want to build community. Let's continue to build our community on there. So I will be hosting a room on Clubhouse once a week. Right now, that room will be on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you are on Clubhouse, come and find me then. I'm talking about homeschooling, self-directed learning, alternative education, and unschooling, different topics. Some of the things I talk about on the podcast and some things that maybe I haven't got a chance to dive into more lately. So come join, ask questions, share your stories and insight. I'd love to have you there as well. The other thing as well, if you're not on Clubhouse, uh, we're going to be holding another unschooling Q&A in March. So if you enjoyed the last one or if you missed it and you would like to catch this next one, Judy Arnell, Golda David, and I will be back again in March just Go to social media, go to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids on Instagram or Facebook to find out when we will be doing that again. I'll post the dates and the link as well to join in. And if you want to catch the other ones, I do. we do record them and then I share them with my patrons on Patreon so the Patreon community has access to those recordings for the Unschooling Q&A. Okay, let's get into the intro. <laughs> Who did you interview in this episode? I interviewed Kohila Sivas on this episode. Why did you interview her? Well, I met Kohila about a year ago, I think, and she has this fantastic program called Math Codes. And I felt that not only her program, but her passion for helping families and kids would be a great one to share on the show. And she has very similar ideas when it comes to learning and schooling and education as well. And I knew she had wonderful insights to share. So on this episode, we talked about her own personal uh, journey and struggles, how, you know, it's really interesting because she talks about how when she was younger, she really struggled with a lot of things in life. And somehow she learned to hack math. And math, she said, became actually kind of her therapy her life therapy. It was a way of her to sit down and just kind of focus on solving a problem. And it empowered her to feel that she could do that with other areas of her life. So, I mean, listen in on to how she explains it. It's actually really beautiful. Kohila's a very just genuine person. And um, I just really like talking with her. And then, of course, we had talked about things like math anxiety and tips and tools she has about changing our language about math, how we're approaching learning with our kids, and the difference between math in school and the math, especially for homeschoolers and unschoolers. So it provides a lot of value. And I know we've been talking about math this other month, so it fits right in with our theme. Is there anything else you'd like to say about her? Uh, you can find out more about Math Codes. I'll have it in the show notes, but go to mathcodes.com to see what she does, how she customizes the learning journey, she coaches, and how she works with kids and families and inspires them. So you can find her there. And my mom is on Facebook. She has a website and on Instagram at Honey Homeschooling the Kids. Make sure to check her out and please leave a review. Now, enjoy the episode. Okay. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Today I have Kohila Sivas joining me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Robin, for having me today. 
So Kohila Sivas is on the show because I know she's a math expert and we've been talking about and exploring a little bit more of the world of math or learning math, especially when it's home learning, home education and unschooling and it's different forms. So Kohila is a parent, a teacher, math interventionist, and a holistic success coach for students and parents. And over the past 22 years, she's developed a simple proven system called Math Codes, and she uses a system with students to help students rapidly transform their math performance, as well as shift their mindset, grow their confidence, and outperform their expectations in all areas of their life. She also works with parents on how to best support their child as a student. When parents are confident that their child has the tools they need to succeed, they have peace of mind about their child's future. Kohila says no child should feel defeated or left behind in their education or life. Every child has the potential to excel in all areas of their studies in life. And it's her mission to help children reach their full potential by showing them how to happily and successfully excel in math and in their performance. If given the right environment, all students can excel. Thank you very, very much, Kohila, for joining me today. Thank you, Robin. So I actually thought that we could maybe start with a little bit of your story, uh, your background. I actually don't know a lot of it, but I know you've mentioned to me a little bit before that growing up, you weren't, even though your focus is in math right now, math was something that you had a bit of anxiety around. Would you maybe start off by telling us a little bit about your background and a story behind that? Yes, exactly. Um, I wasn't good at math, as I know everyone says now I'm an expert, but that's was that wasn't the case back then. Uh, early in my high school years, I was struggling in life. I had a hard childhood, and math wasn't also wasn't good for me at all. So I, for some reason, there was a point in my life where when everything is falling, you know, out of control, you feel like there has to be something that has to work. So in that time and moment, I think it was like a message or something that was given to me that I could improve in this particular subject, right? So I started focusing on math more and more. And eventually I started to see there was the possibility to do good in in that subject, not everything else. I wasn't doing well, but especially in math. I think it was a, it was, form of a therapy from that point on for me to, um, you know, get something that I wasn't able to get previously, right? So I started focusing on those uh, concepts. And eventually, what happened to me is it became a therapy. So if anything doesn't work, when I started doing math questions, it was uh, allowing me to get the answers. So when I could find answers in math, it gave me that confidence that in life also, I could find answers. It's just a matter of you know, solving that problem, right? So I think that was the starting point of me seeing how something that I thought I would never be able to do, but by putting myself and maybe changing my mindset at that time, why am I saying that nothing is going to work, right? A shift in my mind. And I'm not sure if it was 100% myself. There was a teacher that helped me at that time as well. But also I think it was that at the desperate moment in my life when things weren't working, this particular subject, things started working for me. And I think it's more to do with me shifting the mind and saying that I can do it to I can try, let me try and see if it works. And it started working. And that was the confidence that I started to, you know, hold on to. And, and that's why I'm here today as who I am helping other people. Wow. Okay. So Kohila, I really like how you explained that actually, because I am a big believer as well in the power of mindset and how we frame our worlds and look at things, uh, especially our learning as well. And it's interesting how you took that and like you said, I can try. That was your biggest part. I can try and you tried. And it was math that was kind of your entryway into learning better mastery or more mastery in the rest of your life. So I really like, like that's a very interesting way of, um, of moving forward and seeing that. I, I, I really respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So about what age group, like what age were you when this I was, started I was shifting? Early, early in grade eight. So it started okay. very early in high school. And 
I think it was more that I wasn't getting anything, right? Something has to work in life, right? Like why why everyone is getting good marks or why is everyone's other, other people's life looking different? What am I doing differently? So that was the shift that me asking that question to myself, as well as feeling at the lowest point in your life, I think, because when things don't work, you kind of start, you know, reflecting and internalizing, internalizing and thinking about stuff, right? Right, right. So then how long, like when, looking back now, and I know it's always a bit different as an adult, looking back onto mm-hmm. things as well, did this happen gradually and then slowly over a long period of time? Or did you see things start to shift for you quite quickly? By end of grade eight, I was, I, I knew um, that it, it was a pleasure. Like it was like therapy for me. When I sat with math problems, it, it started to becoming like, let me solve it. Let me find it. So I can also escape into it, right? It's like people have other forms of escaping into, you know, their own, whatever that gives them pleasure. For me at that point in life, it was math that gave me that. Even now, if I'm, even now, if I'm like really struggling with something, I don't mind sitting around, sitting down with, couple of questions of math and just trying to figure it out because I can really just let it go and escape and just be in that world of math and solving and when I solve something I feel like such an empowerment that I could solve other things too so it it kind of was it didn't happen like right away but at the end of like grade eight and nine as I went into nine I had this new uh, you know look outlook on life right and and I was still shy and I was still struggling from other things in outside of school and stuff. But but that math gave me a t- place to escape. Right. So I held on to that rest of my rest of my career. And also I started I, you know, in my mind, I, it felt like I was hacking it. That's the reason right. I called uh, my, you know, the company that I own now is called Math Codes. It felt like I was like cracking the codes of something. And it just gave me this this. Um, it's this energy that I could do anything. Right. I, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I get it. I really get it. Okay. So then I, like, cause I, are you, did you end up becoming a teacher once you graduated after that? I, yes. Yes. You did. Okay. And so was that part of the reason why you went in that direction of education and becoming a teacher or were there other factors that played into it? Well, uh, right after high school, I started tutoring. That was my first Thing I did. I wasn't teaching in the beginning stages. It's eventually I got to become a teacher. But what I wanted to do is show other students and other uh, students that are struggling at that point that you can do math. It wasn't, it's not math that's stopping you from doing it, you know? It's other things like, you know, it's not the way it's being taught or they're not telling you. And maybe I can share the hacks I have. You know, the, in the beginning, I was very, um, I didn't know even I had these hacks, right? I didn't know they were the hacks. Now I define them, right? As as I progressed in my, you know, career and stuff. But at that point, I just want to share that it's possible. Why is it that so hard when it could be easy? Like that's right. how I started into it. Yeah. Right. So okay. first step was tutoring for me, and I I've been doing that for you know since I left high school. Right. Okay. Okay. And then after that, what was what was your path? Because like, yeah, you still work with students and kids, and the extension parents and families as well. You support them as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you were you teaching at a school after that, or I've, I've ta- taught at many schools as a teacher, as well as I was for years a teacher assistant working with uh, children with special needs. So it was like a progression of where I am right it didn't just I didn't just have it I wanted to be here it just that I wanted to be part of that world to, to help students and and I think working with the special needs students has given me another perspective on what I was trying to do with math because when I was explaining to them some of the concept of math you know you have to break it down right into you know even more simpler steps so I think during those areas when I was with them um, helping them, giving me to even expand on the knowledge that I had even in math and how I could explain in 20 different ways a, a question to a student because it's the way they learn, not the way it should be taught. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's absolutely. given me a huge advantage in picking that up from working with years, uh, with those type of students as well. So I, I didn't take on my own classroom. So by the time I got to that point, I didn't 
quite liked the education system and what was happening. So I just, by that time, I already set up my business as well. So it was running on the side, along the side. So then I just, I just started doing that. And that's yeah. what I'm doing from now, from that day on. Okay. So maybe as well, then we can, um, now that we're, we're understanding your background as well and your story and absolutely your passion and love, like I, I, I love it. I love how math for you, like you said, math is therapy for you. It's a way to clear your mind. It's a way to feel empowered, to sit down, be creative. I, I hear the creativity when you sit down and with the problem and you solve it and you work through it as well, too. And the different ways that you've learned to look at it, the, the codes and the hacking that you found through it. Mm-hmm. So for parents that are listening right now, I know it's interesting because I find whenever I bring up the word math, <laughs> it has a lot of strong emotions for many people attached to it. Um, I remember one time I, I asked a question a while about, you know, just people's, you know, some could share some of their, their thoughts on math and the stories that I got, you know, with, you know, people talked about the anxiety they had around it, the fear, the sense of failure, how it's carried with them into adulthood um, or some that the opposite where they enjoyed it and they actually, you know, they preferred math over other things um, and same in the way that it gave them a sense of empowerment as well. Why, but why for those who, I know I've, there's a term math trauma, math anxiety. I've heard, you know, all the, the terms that equate it with something scary, something to overcome. Why do you think this is? Why do you think that math, called the four-letter word, has such power over people? Why, do, why, do, why does it cause anxiety in so many? I think it's to do with the way it is being taught in our school system. And from parents, I think, like, let's imagine I, I did not succeed in math at that age, right? For, for, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up and have a kid. What would I say to my son right now if I wasn't successful in math? I would say all, all of the horrible stuff, right? If he asked, oh, math was very hard for me too, and it wasn't. But it's kind of being passed on too, right? This fear, this anxiety is kind of, we all talk about it as it should be hard. If you hear in any conversation, nobody would admit that uh, I don't know how to read out loud as much as they tell out loud, uh, I can't do math. It seems like it's okay to say I I can't do math or I'm not good at math. But whereas somebody would be hesitant to say I cannot read. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. In our culture. So I think that's what's happening is that we're openly saying everyone's openly sharing with our young children that math is hard it was hard for me i hated it and when you use those words what is our children learning right i find that with that that's one thing that i help parents change is the language they use around when they do share their experience with their child because i have students coming in and they say those things and i see the parents say the same thing i was never good at it either right mm. so so it's kind of, I, I feel like it's induced fear in a bit, in a way too, from the parents because they feel this fear. I was never good at it. How is my child going to be good at it? And then I think there was a generation where we were about speed, right? Everything needed to be like, if somebody asked someone what's nine times nine, it should be 81, like in the next breath. If they even took a little longer, you they would say like, what are you, dumb? <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the speed rushing to answer. And then if you don't get it, and then everybody will know you're not good at math right away. Just by not knowing nine times nine, you're not good at math. But that's not true. It's just that maybe you weren't even thinking about math that time. Like sometimes people ask me, I'm like, I'm not thinking about math right now. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, you're you're a math you're a math educator. Come on, tell me all these answers right now, right? <laughs> like I shut off math right now. I'm like enjoying my food right now. <laughs> so there's times that you should be able to talk about math too. So I think students fear that if I don't shout out answer right away, people are gonna judge me. So if I don't, and someone else in my class is saying answer after answer, oh, they must be smart. I'm not, right? right? Then they right. buy this, they tell themselves the story, and then what happens? That story becomes the truth, right? The right. fear. 
it's it's kind of I feel that's what I've been feeling it over the years is and I, I can relate to it. I sat in classrooms thinking the same thing too, right? The my my other students in the class were getting good grades. And then I would say to myself, What's wrong with me? Like why am I not getting they're getting eighty one, why am I getting forty one on this test? And then there's this comparison, constant comparison between the student does it as well as the parents also are doing it too, right? They're comparing yes. with their peers. So all of these reasons are the reasons why kids, uh, you know, fear math. There's a trauma because we need to answer fast. We need to be smart, look smart. We need to get good grades on this piece of paper. If it's not, I'm labeled as I'm not good at math. Right, right, but yeah. But we're not uh, thinking, taking it back a little further. We can think about it as why are they struggling, right? Why are they not getting it? Why someone else is getting? And we also have it, I think, in the culture, our society, that math is something you have to be born with. It's a talent. Right. right? Yeah. You're a math person or you're not a math person. You're born with it or you're not. Yeah. So if somebody met me in grade eight, they would have thought I was the weakest person in math ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like like right now they would they're calling me expert right can you imagine right. somebody who, who would have met me in grade eight they would have thought I'm I'm dumb in math right so how does that make sense so I live to prove that that's my passion that is my mission is that math is not something you're born with my parents are not educated to the level they didn't teach me cosine or sine law or trigonometry they didn't they didn't. So I got the interest to learn because I started doing well after grade eight, right? Because it became my therapy, as I said earlier. I don't think everybody needs to go to that level. But I think in in a way, we need to present math as something that it doesn't have to be this enemy, right? We created right. it into an enemy, I think, for our students. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be an enemy. That's right. Not something that has to be feared. Yeah. So, so one of the things that you said is important. It's important for us to try and change our language around mm-hmm. the fear and the anxiety of it. Of it, can you give me an example of something or ways that you would help parents and kids to change their language around math? Yeah, what, one of the things is like um, comparing, right? Let's go back to that comparison, right? I mean, no child is same, right? It doesn't matter. Like even within the family, like one of your, one older child might be doing well in math, the younger child is not. So then we start, the parents, it just happens. It's not, it's no one's fault. It just happens naturally that we're like, how come you're not doing even that single phrase or why didn't you get this right? You know, those type of questions where you're challenging the, your mm-hmm. student, that's mm-hmm. enough to shut them down. We think we're helping them as a parent, but we are actually not. We're actually making them shut down. And then after that, we ask, how come you're not talking anymore? Let's talk about this. But we were Right. (laughs) Right. You shut the door to further conversation and discussion or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in, in that case, like, I mean, what is happening at school, right? Like, why is that test great? I mean, looking at great is never my type of idea. That's the like, that's like you left everything to the last minute. Now you're just looking at the grade. You have to be part of the process, right? As mm. a parent, if you're going to be way before that. And, you know, there's one thing when your kid is young, younger, up until 12, you know, we need to uh, create this bond and connection where he, we have ongoing communication with our kids, right? Where they could come to us and tell us if there is something at school is not making sense or something's happening. But that's up until you know twelve years old. After twelve year old kid, they're gonna distance themselves, right, a little bit because they're now becoming independent more and more teenagers. So some parents who haven't developed that bond before that period of time will have a harder time with the older kids because we haven't created this culture in our in in your family probably about coming and talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these behavior, oh, most most of them turn up around grade ten like struggling in math, other behaviors, right? And then if you don't have that bond built already and you start talking to them in grade 10 about what are you doing? Why are you not getting your grade? Why is this test bad or something like that? I don't know how much of conversation you're going to have other than resistance, right? Right, right. If we have it, if that's the first time we're entering that conversation, really. Yeah, why right. do you care now? Like, why are you asking me? These are the questions students are going to ask, right? And over the years, the most people that I've helped in my life is 
parents and students who, who are in grade 10, their kids are in grade 10. Because okay. that's almost like it's when the bomb goes off in math. Because up until then, they kind of squeak, you know, squeak, uh, they kind of, you know, squeeze into the system and they kind of pass their grade. But at grade 10, the concept changes, right? It becomes more abstract, more things come in, and it's no longer just numbers. We add letters, right? There's right. so many yeah. memes out there making fun of those, right? Like letters, right? And then now math makes no sense at that point. Right. If and we don't have it, that front foundation first and we throw in all these other things, then it's, yeah, it's a completely new language then. Language, yeah. And I think before parents get to that point, you know, if they have young children and they're listening, it's so important to start, you know, seeing where your child is. And, and it depends, right? If you're in the school system, you have to match to the school system because that's your, you know, that's your benchmark, right? But if you're in your your listeners are probably all most of them are you know homeschooling or unschooling, that's they can set their own benchmark right point of where their children needs to be, and all depends on where they they want their kids to end up, what they want them to do right, like right it's slightly different. Right. Thank you for saying that because I don't think anyone has ever fully voiced it that way. That the difference of, okay, when your kids are in school, because there's all, I think I hear a lot, especially with this year, worry with families and parents who's they've just started homeschooling and they're always comparing to the classroom or the school. And the biggest fear, whether they know it's really, you know, the full details of it or not, is that their child is falling behind yeah. because they think they're not doing as maybe as much work every day as they would be in a classroom. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really connect with what you said about if you're homeschooling or unschooling, you know, your benchmarks are going to be different. And that's absolutely okay because it's based on the family and where, where you, you know, how you're looking at that. So, you know, for my family, it might look different for the family next door and the family down the road uh, for your family, that it, it's not always a benchmark is not necessarily always at the exact same place. Even in schools, the benchmark is not this in classrooms. You could have, you know, four grade 10 classrooms and the benchmark could actually be different in all those classrooms as well or different districts as well. Sorry, continue. I interrupted you. (laughs) Oh, no, that's awesome. Um, No, I was just going to say that that's why parents needs to the comparison piece, right? It, it yes. always, it, it's a sad thing to listen to when they come to my meetings when I first meet the parents, right? Uh, it's like they're not there yet. And if you have that already in front of your child always saying you're not there yet, they're already feeling at a place of I'm not there yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm already behind. Yes, already behind. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that 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 kind of language needs to be changed. Is are they behind or they did they miss something or who is doing this? Like you know, it's a system, right? We're in a system. If you're homeschooling or unschooling, it's a different story. But if you're comparing to a regular school, what is happening at school? Like especially this year, right? Last year, we we left school early. And then we had so much differences in the way we educated our children. Now we're in so many different formats. Like I have students taking math in 21 school days. In tw- like 20. they're doing math, all, yeah. all of like a year of math in 21 days? School days. Wow. Yeah. Why? Just to, why is that? <laughs> wow. That's what I'm told in some district here where I am, right? So... Well, next year, that student is not going to know everything 100%. And the next year, if they enter the next grade, what is the teacher and the parent going to notice that they're missing already, right? Like It's a, it's always like been this, they're, they're going to miss and they're going to catch up. And then it accumulates at some point, doesn't it? Because math is all, always the build upon subject, right? Right. So yeah. There is the only so much a student can miss, it accumulates, they're going to eventually cannot catch up. Because right. the demand is there. Like you get to grade 12, you have no time to think about how to multiply anymore because you have to produce that as a you know secondary thinking level, right? Now you're doing other things. Your primary goal is another different answer. So I think there's it's just the gap of all these students building up. I think parents are not quite understanding why this gap is created and that that also comes back to why I'm saying that is also comes back to that comparison, right? 
Right. We need to deeply understand this gap in math understanding. And it all depends on who's teaching the class. Sometimes, you know, I've seen, I'm just saying in terms of schooling, that's where my expertise is mostly, is that sometimes we have teachers who are PE teachers, nothing wrong with them, but they're not math, they're not, they're not math teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. If they're just filling in and if the teacher misses a lot of school, someone else misses, uh, someone else comes and teach who are not a math teacher, then the student is going to start missing those concepts and they are going to fall back. And that's going to show maybe not in that grade. They might just go past it. But the next grade will show it, right? And the next grade will show it. And then that's what happens by grade nine, grade eight. It's like so much has been missed. Right, right. They What they really need is time to slow down and go back and fill up any or fill any um, gaps that they're having so that when they have to go on in school, it's um it's not yeah it it, it gets harder to it's like jumping over a a, a puddle maybe yeah. <laughs> or trying to get filling it in with dirt so that you can walk across it but if it just keeps raining and you don't you're not able to keep filling it in and it gets bigger to like a little stream to like a huge you know a pond to a lake <laughs> it gets harder to cross cross yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. and uh, and going back to your question about language i think also minding um what you say about your experience about math is so important how you encourage your student is so important and i believe that a lot of parents uh, find help right uh tutors right Mm -hmm. and they want immediate change right but it takes time it's not as i said i wanted to give you that background earlier about the missing gaps is because it all depends on how much has been missed so just someone says like they're going to help your child and you hire them and then you turn around and say how come you're not doing well yet to this student their child it's actually also something that's going to not help them in the in even in the process they're going to feel bad now i spend money on a, in a coaching or tutoring and you're still not doing well what's mm-hmm. wrong with you if you ask those type of questions to your child they're they are going to shut down further with now i'm a more failure on top of it, I made you spend money and I'm failure, right? So I think avoiding that language to make them in any form to feel like they're a failure because they already feel that way. You don't right. want to add to that, right? They already feel that. I can tell you because I've been there. So I know exactly how I felt that those days. I was already feeling like failure. The last thing I want is my parent to say, uh, you're a failure. Right. Yeah, in any yeah. way possible, any and, it, and it absolutely translates into. I know some people think, well, how will things like your uh, social emotional learning or your feelings? How? Why is that even important? Like, how? What does that have to do with learning? Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely connected. Um, and you know, yeah, I think we know as well from the neuroscience now too with uh, our pathways. And I think it was with Judy Arnell. Mm-hmm. She had mentioned your ACEs score. It shows how each instance absolutely affects every area of your um, mental wellness, your physical health, especially uh, how all of that is tied in in our life. And um, so what you're saying about, you know, confidence, um, feeling worthy, validation, um, and feeling that as well, it's not about just getting it right or the test score, or the grade, there's so much more to learning and to life than just that. That's not our measurement of how successful and who we are, that those percentages and those grades. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of our idea around society is measured against that. And and so we feel that our worth is tied to that when really it's not. And it, it ends up being a, um, a block to us, you know, like you had said, further in further areas of our life, in excelling in our life, feeling uh, strength and autonomy for ourselves, mm-hmm. it affects all of those aspects. So, yeah, I, I understand that. So, actually, I, I also wanted to ask, so, we, you know, you're really explaining the importance of language and how we um, present, uh, even present failure as well, I think, as well, right? And how we speak with our kids and set them up to, you know, how we're talking about our own history and past and how we relate to that today and the importance of um, 
supporting them in, in trying and that it's not an, uh, a quick, like you're going to get this now and then you're going to be wonderful for the rest of your life kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Are, are there other ways uh, that you recommend even for parents that they maybe in their homes can set up a learning environment that invites an open discussion, that invites a curiosity in math and learning? Like say we're starting from the early years. What are some, some suggestions that you have for parents? Earlier is the better, right? It's the gold, gold, golden times. <laughs> like you can do so much with your uh, kids, right? So much. And they, they love information. They love you spending time and they just, just soak in like sponges, right? So I think there's so much they can do in terms of math. One of my favorite thing with as, you know, young young uh, child is that not asking them to answer as fast as possible, right? That right. Just don't put them in a place like you have to give me the answer now or that's it, right? My, my dad used to do that all the time and I never answered him. I always used to get in trouble <laughs> for not answering the speed he wanted, but that needs to go. That That's no longer relevant, right? We can process and come up with answers in on our time, right? It doesn't have to be compared to someone else. I think when you start building a home environment, just forget about that, first of all. And then the second thing you want to forget about is like, don't think it all has to be done. When it comes to math, everybody thinks it has to be done with the worksheet. Where's that workbook? Can you please help me find that workbook? Like a lot of people ask me, what workbook do you recommend so that I can start doing it with my child? But you do not need a workbook when they're young, you don't need any work with a book, even as older grades, yes, you might need to because some concepts get harder. But in the earlier stages, you just need anything around your house to count and show them that there is something called counting, right? You know, Mm -hmm. start with that, just that. We have items around our house all the time. You know, we can talk about the shapes all the time. Like there are so many shapes around us. Why do we need a workbook to show us it's a circle or triangle? Right, right. But it's that mentality that I completed five pages today with my child. We need to let that go. It's not about finishing worksheets. Because if the child is not enjoying doing that worksheet, if they're not engaged in that worksheet, what's the point of completing it? It probably looks nice, colored, and they've wrote two and three and four, but they didn't capture anything, probably, most likely. Right, right. Right. They didn't capture the true understanding, understanding of it, right. One year I worked um, at an environmental school as a teacher and uh, there we we did math every day. So and we never had worksheets. We were in the in in, in the forest and we did math every day in different ways. Right. We counted. We picked up twigs and leaves and we made patterns, you know, everything we did there. And the kids enjoyed it like we would run around finding how many can I find the most or you can find most who had the longest or shortest all these things that you can teach your kids when they're young to see and feel is way more than sitting down with a pencil and paper Hmm. so I think that's an environment that you have to start from the beginning and what that shows is that math is fun not it's such a drag that I have to sit down now and do with the pencil and paper you know what I mean you yeah. don't want to bring on to them that from the beginning. You want to show them, this is fun. Look, I can find a bigger stick and you can find a small stick. And let's measure how much is it on a ruler, right? And then we're we're happy. We're running around looking for something. That's much better than having two stick drawn on a piece of paper and measuring with the ruler. Do you know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> I do, yeah. I do, yes. And I think that is one of those questions. Which one, you know, what is the length of this one? Which circle A, B, or C? Or Yeah. 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 Why not make it an experience, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Make it an experience. And that knowledge you give them through experience will stay forever. Yes, it will. It will, it will, it will register like nothing. So I, I think it's really important to set an environment and get, let go of the worksheets. Even through, through the pandemic when it started, a lot of people emailed me going, what book should I use right now to get they don't fall behind in math? Right? Like, and what did you say? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Take them out and do stuff. Go into your backyard, do stuff with them. Cook. Cooking is a great way to teach them so many skills, right? I know it's, a lot of people say it, but I'm going to say it again. Cooking, even at, at that time, we couldn't go to grocery stores, but now we can, right? Or even ordering online with your kids, show them. Like, you know, I mean, one of the things that 
I, I, you know, I, I get students and they will grade eight and I ask them, like, you know, there's a questions about unit rate. They have no idea what a unit rate is. Like they don't know how to even compare. How can they be good even, uh, how can they be smart shoppers, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't even have to be engineers with math, but even to live in their daily life, we're not showing our kids even simple things like how do you compare two products? Right. Why should I buy this or that? Right. Yeah. 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 So many concepts just right in that. But I, I, I also think like, let me just interrupt you for yeah. one second, because I hear you. I, to- I agree. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I understand that. I think, you know, and what my mind goes to, because so many times when we are doing that, you know, math textbook or math workbook, and you're doing those exercises, there is no relation. Like there's no, um, you know, it actually takes, because I, I grew up in traditional school doing textbooks and workbooks and all that sort of thing. And it really takes a bit to think, okay, how, like, how does this apply to this concept to what I'm doing in real life right now? Like there seems like such a gap in between those things. Like the unit rate, like say the comparison when shopping, you know, you I do that all the time. <laughs> but, you know, to really, I can't think, oh, I learned that in this grade, in this math class is where I really learned this concept. I, I actually can't. I can't think of when I really picked or that it stood out there, because there seems to be such a, a gap between what is the, you know, the actual and then what is the uh, figurative or I'm trying to think of, you know, the conceptual. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where do I apply this concept? We don't. Yes. That's the biggest thing that's missing in our education system is that especially when they're young, they have so many opportunity to connect that. This is where you will be using it. And then we will, our light bulb will go, right? And say, oh, yeah, I should remember that because I might need to use that, right? But we don't, though. We just give them so much. As you say, you never know when you learned how to convert unit rates, right? You don't know. Because because then when you start using it, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a helpful thing. But I don't know when I was taught this. But if we could connect them both, it would be so much better. And as a parent, when they're young, I think parents can do that in their environment, especially if they're homeschooling or unschooling. They can do that all the time, right? With a lot of stuff. And it doesn't have to be like a big project. We don't have to make like, now we're going to learn math, you know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) It shouldn't be 11 o'clock. It's math time, guys. Now we're, yeah, that's right. It should just be natural. Like, you know, in the moment you can say, oh, here's a moment that I can teach math right now. And I, I mean, if you're, like just watch for those moments to do it and it's in the moment and it's in it's uh, related right it's relevant right so that information is going to transfer way deeper and stronger into their mind than when I say okay it's time to do math we're gonna get the ruler and measure right (laughs) but when you when they are trying to measure something and they're like don't know how to do it you can ask them how should we measure that you want do you want to find the how, how to fit this into this right so what should you do you right. should know the measurement of it, right? So what, how would you measure this? What should I use with my hand? Okay, that's okay. But is there a better thing we can use? And then you can introduce uh, other things, concepts in math into that as well. So I think um, the fear of my child is going to fall back, uh, fall behind, and they're not going to be you know, comparable to other people is, is what's, what's our worry, right? So that's why we like force math onto our children, right? Mm-hmm. Even yeah. when they're not ready. Sometimes, as as I said earlier, I worked with a lot of special needs students and, you know, they're not ready for certain concepts, right? At some age, I'm not saying, even without children without special needs or if they're just not ready for something, if you keep pushing it, they're going to be bored before they're ready to accept that, Right. So right. there are times that you have to watch, is my child ready? If they're not ready at that time, delaying it by a couple of months is not going to be a disaster. It's okay. It's actually right. better. It's better. actually better. Yeah, yeah. we have this big it. rush. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're not bound by any schooling 21-day system or four-month or two-month systems that we've been dealing with since COVID, take your time just relax and, you know, as long as, you know, you're doing every day a little here and a little there, it's going to add up. And it might look in the beginning like you're not doing enough. This is the fear again, right? 
Yes, that is. Yes. Am I doing enough? I don't think I did math enough today. But that one thing you did with your child in a related environment where they experienced that math with you and had a connection and bonded and a very pleasurable time with you, is it's enough. It's actually big. They've learned a lot during that time. But it, to a parent, a lot of the time they say, I didn't do a lot this week. It doesn't seem like I did a lot. Then I ask them, what did you do? And it seems like, okay, then I have to point to them. Here's what you taught them here, the here and here, right? And throughout all of this, we we should remember that we're teaching our children to problem solve. That's the biggest thing. Yes. Through math, right? Math is all about how do you calm down and think about what are the ways I can solve this problem? That's it. Answer is the byproduct of that thinking, right? It comes at the end. It's a byproduct. So we don't rush to the answer. Like every student I get, they're like, what's the answer? I'm like, no, that's not, I don't care about the answer. Forget the answer. How are we going to get there? Let's talk about what can we do here, right? Tell me the plan. And then they're like, no, no, what's the answer? That's what my teacher asked. I'm like, no, right. no yeah. it's <laughs> so, the process because that's what you're always going to use is the process. Process, yeah. So, the answer is not always going to be the end four or eight. It's yeah. the process of how we're going to apply it in different situations and problems we face in life. Yeah, and I think that's something that parents can share with their student, their child as well, telling them that math is not about getting the right answer or wrong answer. It's not. Even if you get your wrong answer, it's it's great if you get the wrong answer. You know why? Because you're going to think again, how can I solve this better, right? right. Yes. Th- that should be the celebration. They're not like, you're getting so many wrong. What's wrong with you, right? We have to right. take our language away. Instead of saying, okay, let's look at it. What's going on? Why did they get this and we get this? What did we do, right? And, and uh, again, coming back to higher level of math and older students, there are math concepts and that goes back to math is a system that was created, right? People prove theorem after theorem and theories after theories, and they came up with like Pythagorean theorem. It was proven. You're not born with that expression in your mind. You're never, you nobody is. You have to learn it. It's like I'm trying to learn Spanish and I say, I don't know something in Spanish. Of course you don't know because I've never learned Spanish. <laughs> I'm just learning it. So why should you know, right? So take that also as a parent, like a parent should remember. Your child don't have to know these concepts. They're learning. So there is a time of taking these new information, learning it and making it meaningful and then starting to use it and then getting the answer at the end of it through problem solving is a process. All Mm. of it is a process. It doesn't happen just like that. It doesn't have to be fast. That generation of you tell me now the answer or you're dumb is over. We don't have to. It's, it's, it's no longer here. We need to give our students time to think and tell them how important it is to problem solve. And that's the meaning of math, I think, that we're missing in, in it right now, currently. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Time to think and problem solve. Yeah. 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 Our rush to make sure they're not falling behind or ahead of everyone else. And then again, again, the comparison, it's slowing down, giving time and problem solving. That's like, that's the answer to all of life, <laughs> I think, right? That's why slowing down and problem solving. <laughs> that's why it's therapy, because through math, you can learn that and apply that. It applies everywhere. Like a lot of my students I coach, they do well in other areas as well, because they now learn to slow down. They learn not to rush to answers or to the end result. Because they, if you rush to it, then you're you're kind of blindly going through the process. You're not enjoying it. You're just rushing it, right? But how do you enjoy it? It's okay to get it. If this doesn't work, let's fix it. What went wrong here? It's okay if we missed one. Like, how do you fix it? It's also important, right? Right, Very important right. skill to teach. Yeah. So. It, it's like, you know, I think so many of us are programmed, too, that it's the right answer fast answer you know that's what we're getting math is just about finding the answer but yeah it is I think for parents especially is yes slowing down ourselves and stepping back and just letting those letting the process happen as well it's it's a practice for us to you know change in that mindset one more thing I want to add about older students is that practicing like you know how uh, in the older days like people thought like you can't watch like my just coming from me like people used to think like you can't watch tv you can't spend time outside of you know as a student you need to study 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 Mm -hmm. study right 
that's mm-hmm. not the generation we have now. We listen to our parents, and it does. It's not even effective if you do just that, right? It's yeah. they that those those days. That's what people knew how to raise their kids. That's what they told them. If you're not paying attention and doing your schoolwork, you're gonna fail in life. So you have to spend all your time in it. But we have to now train ourselves to get away from that kind of, you know, we have all these, our parental influences in us, right? And they will come out when we're parenting our kids. So we have to step back and say, we're not in that generation. Our kids are not growing up like that anymore. And the best way to help them is what I call is they have to practice with purpose, right? It's not like if you practice for hours of math they're going to get good grades. It doesn't work like that. It has to be a systematic way of practicing what's needed to master. If you're, again, in school, you have to master the test. That's how your, it's your paycheck, right? Test Mm -hmm. and quizzes and at the end of the report card is your paycheck. In school, yeah. Yeah. You're working for that. Therefore, you have to practice knowing what are they going to test me? What are they looking for? So there has to be a purpose behind that studying. Just because you sit your kid for, you know, eight hours or four hours in their, you know, one desk and ask them to study, it's not going to give you, give the results anymore. Like it has to be more of a systematic approach and they have to do it in a way that you know, in alignment with what they're going to be tested and asked at school. And a lot of students study and they think that they're going to do well and then they don't. And then they ask questions like, how come I studied so much and I'm not still getting the marks? Mm, right. Okay. Okay. Right. They're putting in all these hours, but it's not focused Working. to what their, you know, the expectation of what, where those hours need to go into or what that yeah. need to focus. Right. So what about if you're, you know, like our family, we're unschooling or you're home educating. And so the 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 purpose is not for the exam yes. or those test marks. How what and you you have older students. What do you is is there still practice with purpose? How does that look different? Yes, the practice with purpose would come with their interest, right? Because it's that's why I love about your you know what you do, right? And other families too is that you can allow them to follow the path of their interest and then bring math every day into that path, right? Like you can mingle mm. math according to where they are in their path of exploration, right? Where that's not the case in the school system. They are just forced to be in that, right? Right. In that path. So right. I think for your, 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 your fa- like families like yours, you, you already have motivated students, right? Their yeah. motivation is because they're on their path and they, they, they already um, paved out their path in a way, right? You helping them pay, put that path together. So yeah. I think math comes naturally, I believe, right? In your household, yeah. you, you bring yeah. it naturally. And whereas these uh, families in the um, school system, the math is not natural. Hmm. Again, it's a problem, right? Right, right. So Yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's interesting too, because it's, you know, it seems like such different worlds, But at the same time, like, you know, Gina, I know you've interviewed Gina as well before, Gina Riley. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's at the same time, there's still, even though those two different worlds, there's still kids who grow up learning from home or unschooling that still go into STEM careers, that go into math and science careers, that go into engineering, that that still do that, yet their path looks very, very different from that path in the school. Yes, but I think they're able to come back to it because you remember the best thing they're getting in your type of environment is the confidence, it's the clarity, and it's that I can do it, and it's that I am in control. Right. And, right. Yes. You are building all those things and you're learn- teaching them how to problem solve throughout the way too, right, in this culture we have, right? Whereas in here... They're like rushing with this, I'm in grade nine, I'm in grade 10, I'm in grade 11, I have to finish grade 12, right? We're going with the, we, we, it's like a rushing water. Right. <laughs> you just go with the flow, right? You just have right. to go. Yeah. You just have to yeah. go. There's no stopping <laughs> and saying, I'm not. I'm slow here. Let me slow down. No, you can't. We're right. rushing our students in this system, right? So there is a difference. And what if one year there's something that's happening in my mind or like even the, during this COVID, right? A lot of students are struggling mentally, right? And they don't show it because they kind of, is, you know, doing their own things to divert the, you know, mental stress or whatever. But 
but what is like what how are we going to fix this for them like i always wonder like you know when i talked in the last summer with you i was saying that how i'm excited that you know this COVID is going to bring some new changes to our education system, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I feel like, you know, with the 21 days of finishing math and stuff, how is that bringing any change? Do you know? Right. Yeah. I, no, it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm very, very sad about that right now because I think we just made, I mean, how are these kids going to function? Like, how are they going to flow in this rushing water next year? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I do, well, I, I try and be optimistic and think that there are some changes happening. I, I definitely, you know, within my work here locally, I do see changes happening, which is mm-hmm. great. I think it's going to be very slow still. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be immediate. But at the same time, there is the other side of that where um, many, you, you know, when you get used to a way, so your automatic thing for change is to buck up against it to like try and resist it. And sometimes it's almost to make the, to cause things to go, you know, try and make them the old way as much as you can. Like you're trying to hold tight to the old ways and not let go enough for change to flow and happen. Mm -hmm. I see that happening as well. And I could see that with like, you're talking about having kids to do math in 21 days. Like, you know, that in a way is that resistance and that fear that, that, that rushing, like you said, the water that it's like, you know, the, the rapids, you're in whitewater rapids that are going so fast and you have, you know, you just have to go with it because there's no way that you can slow down, take the time, you know, swim for a little bit and then catch back up again. It's, you just got to go. Yes. I, I, I'm happy with the changes too. Like it, it always change as, as you say, change has to go through some testing, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. fine. But I just feel that are we doing, I mean, are we doing the right thing with 21 days and stuff, right? I'm not saying it's an extreme, one of the extreme ones that I've seen, right? That's why I'm bringing yeah. it up. Yeah. And I feel bad even helping them, the student that I had, the students I had to help during that time is like, I wasn't happy with the, the, the reason why I don't want to be part of the system is that I wanted to do this is to make a difference, right? Because that system was the rapid for me. Yeah. I couldn't exactly. swim. I didn't want to be part of that rapid. But then now we're back into that rapid again because of COVID. But well, things will change. They have to go through their testing point, I guess, right now. That's what we're all in, right? Yeah, that's testing right. Yeah. 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 So, Kohila, can you, you know, I know we're getting to our time too, and I want to leave a room for you to also talk about, I think this is a perfect segue into math codes and your business and how you support kids and families. Can you talk a little bit about math codes? And then, um, yeah, we'll talk about that. And then also how we can, where we can go to find out more about math codes. So I would like you to, I want to share the stage with you. And so you can talk about that too. Thank you. As I said earlier, math codes is my passion because as I said, when I was young, this therapy that I realized that that helped me during that time. I want to share this, uh, you know, knowledge that I got during that powerful time in my life with other students. And I want to prove it to them again and again. If they're struggling that you can do math, it is something you can do. It's never, you're not born with it. Your parents don't have to be good at math. You know, if you're struggling with it, there is a reason. And my job to help them find that reason, right? What's going on? Like, I I love to find that out with my students and help them. And that's what Math Codes is all about. And it's not a one-fit-all, you know, type of uh, tutoring. This is a coaching. I customize everything to every single student because I don't treat any of my students as the other student, right? Like, that's why I left classroom, because in classroom, we treat every student as the other other student, right? Because we just teach to the middle and aim and see if it works, right? But here it's not like that. So that's one of the biggest differences that everything is customized to who they are, why they're struggling and how to get them to do better in math. But it's not about doing better in math. It's about helping them figure why they're struggling and how, why are they feeling the way they are feeling about math and other things. And, and always I work for them getting the mark as a byproduct. And because I work with a lot of students in school, they're, they're uh, great shows to their parents because that's, as I said, it's the paycheck at the end of the, for the parents, right. Right? the report card. Is right. That, <laughs> school, you get your report card is your paycheck. So they can see it, the performance improve and they see the teachers seeing their, I mean, they hear from their teacher that 
your student is doing differently? What what happened to them? Like, I, I love hearing those stories when the teacher noticed that there's a difference in this student, the right. way they, they do stuff or they're, uh, you know, doing their tests or exams or whatever it is, yes. there's a change and parents see it, the way their child talks to them or how they're looking up, uh, you know, about their future, talking about their future. These are things that is more valuable for me other than the marks. Marks are always going to come. If we change all of these, I know Mark is always going to be there, right? I agree. So yeah. I yeah. Principal all the time. And it's been really a blessing for me. And, um, you know, one of the things I started doing this year for many families who are struggling financially and stuff is offer free coaching as well. So if you have any audience here looking for help, I'd love to help them because I thought during this time of, you know, it's a hard time for every one of us, right? So I've yeah. actually implemented that in Math Codes and and um, we are expanding as well because, you know, it's been, online learning has been very, very, this year it's been exploding, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it's the future of our students, I think. So you know, if you want to get in contact with me, you know, it's uh, mathcodes.com is my website. And I have a uh, Facebook uh, group uh, as well. So I, I guess you'll have end notes, right, Robin? That you yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll include your website and Facebook page link. And you have an Instagram too. Thank I'll you. include all of those on the show notes. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Math Codes is something that I've created. As I said, it is uh, more and more becoming my passion that as I see more families struggle with this. And I want to take this, as you said, that trauma, the fear. That's my dream is to say people don't talk about it as that. So I have yes. a huge connection that with math. And I believe that if someone could use math as a therapy, it is powerful. And I would like to one day get that word out to as many parents and students that you could actually escape into solving problems. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Kohila. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you're doing it. It's it started. So I think we, we are going to see that evolving and changing. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you. And I wanted to leave with parents this note that if your child, you know, if you're at home with your child, you know, it's unschooling or homeschooling, I think you don't have to ever worry about, you know, they're not at this level or that level. I think you should let go and enjoy the process you started because you wanted to start it for a reason. And remembering that reason is so important, even even writing it down all over your, even on your phone or something where it's pop up to you and reminds you why you wanted to do this in the first place. Because I think as societies, there's so much pressure that, oh, you talk to some relatives or your friend or neighbor, they might say, you know, by doing this, your child might be falling behind. <laughs> Right. And then you go into this fear mode. Oh, my God, did I do this right? Right. You don't want to feel like that. You want to be confident 100 percent. You did the right thing and you want to show that to your child as well, because if you feel the fear, you know what? They're going to feel it, too. Right. It's you can't hide it from kids. They'll instantaneously feel your fear. And you don't want to be in a process with your child and their future with that fear in your mind. Just go for it. And as you said, a lot of like Gina Riley, you discussed with her and, you know, um, Judy as well, right? They all say that their their students and the people that they know, a lot of them went into STEM courses and they were not in school, right? Taking all these math courses. So how did they end up there, right? There's power in what you what this model brings as well. So I believe that parents have to go in with that. And if you have to remind yourself every day, make sure you remind yourself because I'm hearing that from a lot of parents who took that path. Sometimes they come back and say, please help me catch up to the school system. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah, that's a thank you. That's a great insight. And I think that's a great the reminder. I think that's a great idea, putting it on your phone Absolutely. so it can pop up or your notes or in that that is it because you do have to keep going back to that. That's right. And your pair kids will learn math. They they just need you to be strong and and as I said, bring it into everyday, right? Don't make it this is the math time. Just bring it into your everyday life. And math there's so much opportunity to teach math and it's easy when you think of it like that. Right. If you think I have to teach math to my child today, that's a job. 
But if right. you right, you don't want to make it a job. You want to make it like, oh, here I am mixing something. Let me show him how these two liquids mix or something, right? Yeah. Talk yeah. about that. Conversations, right? And I think this time we're so distant. And if you want to, as I said, develop that bond and connection where you can have much better relationship later in life with your child when they're 14 year old start building those conversations now right you want to enter into their world right now you want to be part of that now so they will accept your conversation later in the year so if you try doing it in when they're 14 and you have never had conversations like that it's going to be hard right you're a stranger to them at that point right so you want to build those if you have young kids it's like the golden time to spend time and do stuff with them yeah and help yeah. them. That is a golden time and take that time to, to do that. And and it's also, you know, for those that have older kids, it's not too late. Stop. It's still, you still have the opportunity. It maybe might be a bit harder, but still with, you know, with, you know, constant support and not overbearing, like, but leaving the space and the time for conversation and discussion and openness, just an acceptance, I think, without that judgment, like you had talked about before, is, you know, is the steps with older kids into uh, facilitating that. For sure. uh, yeah. And also asking them what they want, right? Like, yes. At that point, you can't tell what you want, correct? Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, asking them what they want, not telling them what we want. Yeah. And then asking them what they want and hearing, hearing and listening, listening, and then not quickly filling in with, well, that's great, but this is what you need to do, or this is what I want you to do. <laughs> that's, you I know, there's a shift, right? We yes. go from speaking to listener mode by the time they're 12 or 13, 14, right? You have to switch right. that. And the, that's right. when you will find that magic to happen because the more you listen, they appreciate that and they'll talk more to you but you we have to turn I think when it's hard though right yeah at that stage you want to tell them what to do because they're so close to being adults you want to make sure they don't do something that's not right or they're going to do something wrong you're all this fear in us right but we still have to hold it and still be a listener with them I think that's the way to manage older children yeah I agree I absolutely agree give that space well thank you Kohila that was wonderful I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, and I, I know that this will be a great positive share for listeners as well. And I'll include all of your the contact for math codes on in the show notes as well. And um, yeah, it's been wonderful. So thank you very much. Thank you for this opportunity. And if I could help any parent or student or child feel like they can do math, I'm here for that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you.